Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists and curious creatives that connects creativity with the heart and soul. I'm Michelle Walker, and I'm here with my creative soul sister, Jennifer Ruth Russell. Hey, Jen. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome. 2023. Thank you. I know. Amazing, right? We made it. Yeah, we did. And I kind of missed you not doing this podcast for the last three months. So I'd love to hear, how did you go? I know you did the epic move from West Coast to East Coast. Tell us about that. Well, I have missed you too. And I've missed us just having this opportunity to just talk. I'm so excited about our uh, podcast today. Um, But it's been amazing because I have had in Los Angeles parched soul (laughs) for like two years. And when everything started to move, it moved really quickly. So in the beginning of September, it just was like a place showed up that needed to be secured for us to move. And we said, yes. So we came out here, flew out here, signed the papers, went back home to do all the stuff. And we immediately got sick, right? We got sick for 10 days, both of us, my husband and I both got sick. And we were like in bed watching YouTube videos of how to pack and we couldn't do a thing. And we got we got well enough just in time to go and drive all the way to Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is about halfway across the country for a conference, which was a wonderful. It's called the World Congress of Illumination with Patricia Cotarobles and the Air of Peace. We come all the way back. We had three weeks now to just put the whole house together and leave and drive across country. And we, so we arrived here in the middle of November. We're still getting used to being here. Love it. I'm just like a, like I said, I'm like a little bird that keeps just putting her beak up and just drinking in the moisture here because it's so beautiful. It's so wet. <laughs> and I'm just loving it. I'm just loving it. Also, we got sick again. You know, I'm so glad that we have a beautiful guest that's coming to share with us today because I'm interested to hear what she has to say. We got COVID when we got here. So the whole holidays was spent in rest. And thank goodness my sister came to visit and she brought her whole arsenal of, of supplements and stuff to help us get on our feet pretty quickly. But I have to tell you, from an artist's point of view, I had great expectations to finish editing my book before we got here. That didn't happen. But what did happen is I continued writing songs. So I was able to finish the 11th and 12th song of my project for this year, which has been to write one song for each of the activations of our 5D chakras. Mm -hmm. So I was able to finish it. And I was just so excited that that happened, you know, that it was just like a high intention I had. And it just naturally came about. I wasn't stressed out about it or anything. So there has been a lot. I will say I'm still getting my feet on the ground. But I feel that I'm starting to settle. You know, the nest is starting to form and starting to settle in. So mm-hmm. all is well. Yeah. And let's hear about you. Well, I, I know that feeling of move because I did that 10 months ago and we've been at the new house 10 months. But the last three months for me have been really delicious. So I had a birthday late in September and I had a sleepover with four of my girlfriends who came from all parts of the country to come and hang out and celebrate, talk, draw, just, you know, commune. We hadn't been together for a number of years. So it was just 
delicious. You know, a 57 birthday sleepover. I don't think you can be ever too old for those. And then (laughs) in October, we were due to go on the big five-week road trip down to South Coast, New South Wales. And the story was we left on day one. It rained. It rained where we camped. The prediction went from a couple of days rain to solid week of rain in front of us. So we turned around and drove home. And we were not sure whether we were going to continue the holiday, whether the opportunity would open up. But I got this window of time of 12 days where I wasn't supposed to be at home. No one knew I was at home. I'd cancelled all my local regular weekly appointments and, and commitments. And it was like this precious gift. And I got stuff done that I had on my to-do list for so long. I got to my website. I did a whole lot of updating and you know, loading all my artwork. And I just felt really proudy pants about it because it felt really good you know and then we got an opening in the weather and we took off and we ended up doing the trip slightly shorter time frame we did three weeks away but it was absolutely gorgeous and I fell in love with some places down south coast New South Wales and if you're interested I did a little blog and a little video on my YouTube channel that was all about plein air painting with natural found ochres on the beach so that was a lot of fun and then we had a, I had a lovely Christmas with family and then my husband and I took off to New Zealand and we just got back last night. So we had six days, welcomed in the new year with a trip overseas and I've got a brand new passport. I feel that 2023, this is part of the story for me. It's going to be, <laughs> let's go, Geronimo. You know, we've kind of had three years of staying put and now it's time to mm-hmm. crack open. So Welcome 2023 and thank you everyone. Welcome back to the podcast for the new year and Jen, it's great to see you. And let's introduce you, Landa, because I want to bring her into this conversation and hear about her holiday season. So Yolanda Dekuvis is an artist and she's also a yogi and an Ayurvedic practitioner. She's a mother, a daughter, a sister, a friend and an interesting international pedigree for Yolanda. She was born in Cape Town, (laughs) spent time living in Spain, spent time living in the UK and England before she came over to Australia and settled in the West Coast in the Margaret River area, Southwest WA, and now she's in Northern Rivers where I live. And we're so excited to have you here. Welcome, Yolanda. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's really interesting to hear both of your themes of moving movement and it's an interesting thing to navigate with our health in particular absolutely yeah what was your Christmas holidays like for you our Christmas here in Australia coincides with summer so it's the it's the long school holidays for us so that always means a completely different schedule and decorating the tree and having the kids around and being out and you know the energy is very much you're out in the world there's a lot of light um you know there's a lot of sunshine so navigating that and you know as an artist trying to stay connected with my inspiration I kind of rein back my expectations over the summer holidays to just keep that connection with my inspiration and not focus so much on output I had the same and I had really high expectations before we I had family arriving at Christmas and then I just gave up because I was actually pooped but what happened was once they came and left I had a few days before new year and I just got really productive so that was exciting you know I think part of what we want to talk about is honoring the rhythms and this is why we've got Yolanda on as her knowledge about 
helping us understand how we can perhaps work best with our nature, our characteristic, and also what's happening in the world in terms of the seasons and the day in terms of the time. Mm. And it's a big part of the self-care that I, I really want to start out with a theme for this year. So contrasting that you both are experiencing the long days and we're experiencing the short days and the, the much more quiet inner journey right now. It's interesting to be talking with you all today. Y'all. <laughs> Have you been practicing that? <laughs> no, but it just came out. <laughs> so Yolanda, I'd love to just hand you the talking stick. Talk to us about some of the things that you've learned through your studies and your wisdom about what we're talking about, seasons, clocks, rhythms. We'd love sure. to hear. I'll just start with a little um, sort of overview of what Ayurveda is. It's an awkward one to pronounce in English. It's got that little R in the middle there that you kind of don't really hear. So it's made up of two words. Ayu means life and Veda means science. So it's the science of life. It's a framework for understanding how the laws of nature apply to evolving human beings. So we see how the laws of nature apply to our natural environment, and we see how they apply to animals. And sometimes we forget that they also apply to us. <laughs> and, and, you know, the Ayurveda helps us to really get to a practical level of how does that work? I mean, we can feel in summer we sweat more, in winter we don't. You know, we can feel physiologically there's things that are happening to the body. So that's really what Ayurveda is. And it's a system that's been around for 3,000 years in codified, written in Sanskrit form. But for many, many thousands, more than that, passed down through song. So I like to think the artists were there from the, yeah. off, you know, song and marks have been used to make sure this knowledge is retained. And it's survived this long because it's still relevant. It's been relevant through all of those ages because human beings, although we've changed a lot since industrialization, if you look at over the sort of span of the kind of period that Ayurveda has been around, we're still pretty much the same beast. So it's the sister science to yoga. So a lot of people are familiar with yoga. And if you take your yogic studies a little bit further, you'll often come across Ayurveda. And I've been really lucky to have it for 20 years in my life through parenting, through motherhood, through now coming into menopause. And every time there's a new layer to uncover and a new thing to apply. So one of the fundamental teachings of Ayurveda is a way of understanding time, which we call the Ayurvedic clock. And the first layer of the clock describes the dominance of certain energies or elements at particular times of each day. So if we live in harmony with these natural rhythms, we're more likely to experience ease and good health as we're aligning with the natural direction of life, going with the flow rather than going against it. So broadly speaking, the day is broken into three sections and they're repeated again at night. So if you think of your clock and you make a Y from 10 and 2 and then down to 6, there's three sections of the day. Does that make sense as an mm. image? Yeah. Mm. So if we just look at each it's period. It's symbol. It's the why. It's me. The it's Yolanda. It is. It's the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so if we start at, say, six o'clock, so we start at the bottom of the clock and we go until 10 o'clock, that 
is dominated by the water and earth element. So in Ayurveda, we call that the kapha dosha. And it's about strength of our structure, our physical bodies. And the energy in that time goes in a downward direction. So that's just the natural flow of what's happening at that time of day and at that time of night. Are you starting with 6 a.m.? I am, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's the same energy that's applied at 6 p.m. And also I'm talking in general terms, like it's really dawn. So that will change over the course of the year. And this is where, you know, I'm really talking about the most superficial layer of the Ayurvedic clock because we have an understanding through yoga that everything is on a scale. So where something can be cold, something in the fridge can be cold, something in the freezer can be even colder. But we might call both of those things cold if we compared them to something that had been heated up. So we're always working within a range. So broadly speaking, six o'clock, but really it's dawn if you want to get into the sort of subtleties of it. That is that downward energy. At 10 o'clock, the fire element starts to come into effect and the energy is now upward, going up towards the sun. Things start to heat up, heat rises, moisture's evaporating. That's all going upwards. So that's quite an easy understanding, I think, to feel that that upward lift is happening. We might have more energy in that time of, time of day. It's, we call it the pitta dosha. It is a time where we're intellectually sharp. We've got good transformation capabilities, the same way that the sun's transforming things in our body. We've got good potential to digest a strong meal at this time of day. And so turning raw materials into nourishment for all of the tissue layers of the body, that capability is really strong in the middle of the day. And when I think of my ancestors in Spain and Italy, you know, that's when they would stop work, have their big meal in the middle of the day, have a little rest. Like that was quite a natural rhythm to follow at where, you know, in our more sort of agrarian pre-industrialization kind of lifestyle. So then from two till six, this is dominated by the space element. And this is the Vata Dosha is dominating at this time. And this is creative, expansive. We're really, because of the space element, we become more tuned into the field of possibilities. The innate qualities at this time of day are quickness and lightness. Ideas come, images come, connections are made, things are communicated. The energy at this time is dispersed in all directions. So you might hear all those terms and go, nah, 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 that is not my experience of two till six, especially during the day. But if you're awake pre-dawn, you will be more aware of the subtle nature and that quickness and lightness, the field of possibilities, all of those we are more in tune to in the early hours of the morning because modern life actually distracts us away from that space element energy during the day because we're just getting on with life and we've got sunlight it's a busier time of the 24-hour clock but if you're awake before dawn all the spiritual traditions have that time of day as a sacred time because things are quiet the animal kingdom is quiet and we have more access to going beyond the physical realm and tapping into that space element So that's an overview of the three. Does anything there already resonate? Do you already think, yeah, I noticed certain things? Is there something there? 
I think that this is really, this was really helpful for me. And just as a bit of backstory, I came to Yolanda because I was feeling quite stuck energetically and I felt that this could be something I really wanted to work on. And this clock information helped ground me into perhaps a different rhythm that might work. And so I'm in testing mode at the moment with this. And I've got to say that afternoon two to six is not my bright sparkly time because possibly I haven't been doing things at the right time. And I I thought one of your questions to me, and um, this is interesting for all of us to discuss, when is our big meal? And I'm a traditional Aussie. I have it in the evening, usually around six o'clock. Yeah. And this is a key reason to why we are not always able to tap into that potential of the two till six in the afternoon, because we're just not adequately fueled for that. We haven't had proteins and good healthy fats. We've maybe just had a snack and maybe it's a different time today than it was yesterday. And the body's actually in confusion because that's a possibility when you have a lot of space, energy's going in all directions. You can just be doubt, worry, confusion can dominate because there's there's no grounding there to start off with. So that stronger meal in the middle of the day gives us the grounding to then choose, oh, the energy is going in all of these directions. Which direction do I want to go in? Rather than maybe trying one thing, uh-oh, you know, I mean, I can find myself literally walking around the house, back to the studio, you know, the energy of dispersal can mean you just like a headless chicken and you don't actually get anywhere. I have a question about the earth element, because you've talked about the the water, the fire and space, which I would equi- equivalent to air. What about the earth energy? So the earth energy is that early start of the day, that's six till 10. So it's earth and water, a little bit of water, but predominantly earth. There is the qualities of that time of day is heavy, solid, you know, not a lot of movement. So you'll often find if you sleep late, you feel really sluggish. Like you can go, I've actually had more hours sleep, but I'm feeling less energized because if you're trying to wake up when that downward energy is dominant, you, you're, you're going against nature. Yeah, trying to go up when the energy is down. Whereas if you can get up when in that dispersal time, pre-dawn or at dawn or as close to dawn, you know, or even just six rather than eight, you're going to find that you can then tap into the strength that's available to you. The other thing that I found interesting is you were talking about that's the daytime and the match for the evening. So 6pm, we start the heavy earth elements again with the kapha dosha. It was actually recognising that two to six in the early hours of the night is a time where I can wake up and if I don't control myself, my brain will get really overactive. And I can find it difficult and maybe it might take me two or three hours to get back to sleep again. So I found that really valuable and interesting to understand. Being in bed by 10 o'clock rhythm has really changed for me. So my my day is gone. I get up usually just around dawn anyway because I've got a dog. But instead of having a breakfast, because I, I must admit I thought that early morning meal is good for the system, and then getting into what requires the most creative thought pattern straight in and then lunch and then the afternoon I kind of ease off a bit and then I have a meal. 
I actually have changed all that around. And that's been a really interesting experiment for me. So where I've struggled has been the social pressure because I've just spent seven days with family and then before that over Christmas. And so I got up on Christmas morning, I cooked everybody else a breakfast and sat down and everyone said, aren't you having any? And I said, no, not hungry. And that was, so that's my kind of takeaway from some of what you've given me is this understanding of actually responding to hunger so that my digestive power can be high when I go to eat. And so, you know, the rhythm of the day being perhaps a little more, a little more sensitive to my hunger levels has really shifted because I realize how often I eat out of habit and social kind of norms. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. We can often have emotional, you know, responses or just wanting a break from what we're doing. Food can, we can use it for so many uh, different things and often translate thirst and rest signals, requests from the body. We reply with food. So it's a common thing. And on the six till 10, I just wanted to come back to that as well. So the evening six till 10 is also a, a potent time that modern life often doesn't allow us or, you know, we don't take advantage of the opportunity of this downward energy starting at, at dusk. Mm -hmm. It starts then that downward energy. So are we still going out? Are we still up? Are we, is our energy still? And, you know, when it's summer here, yes. That's when it's cool enough, we're going to the beach. So honoring that, tuning into that, feeling that wind down and thinking, how can I wind down in harmony with it? And this is where it's also really useful to, to use our senses. So, you know, maybe we are going to the beach at that time because it's cooler, but maybe we don't have to be doing the same kind of physical exertion that we would do in the morning. Maybe it can be more of you know, a gentle swim and a, a shorter walk or just mm -hmm. still having like a, a wind down direction, but still some movement because the body is strong at that time. So some light gardening is great, some gentle yoga. So I'm curious, what is the best time to exercise? You know, I, I remember ages ago, I, I saw this uh, rainbow chakra center chart and it said that you should exercise between four and six in the evening. That's the optimum time for errands and exercise. And I'm curious, you just said morning, but I'm curious to hear more about what you think is optimum time to, to have a strong, not just a light exercise, but let's say you really want to do a Hatha yoga class, you know, you want to really get into it. What would you suggest? Yeah, I think there's two reasons why you might be exercising or why you want to start moving the body. So the first is, is really about waking up the breath body. So getting to a point where all your channels are open and flowing and that your body is reacquainting itself with its, all the synchronizations that it's, you want to be functioning throughout the day. So there's that kind of exercise. And then there's sort of like strength building, sweat inducing, like, you know, more and less subtle and more gross kind of activity. So if we want to look at the ideal things to do around dawn, meditation is definitely one of them because we want to tune into that space energy, that subtle feel that that's not always available to us when the noise of the day starts. 
But if we want to be able to take full advantage of that, we want life force energy to be able to flow throughout. So our meditation works better when we've also got a physical coordination that's happened. Yeah, basically, if you have that meditation, and that doesn't need to be, it can be a heavy word, you know, it can be just sitting in silence. Like you want to have that as part of your routine, you might just want to do some sun salutations. You know, the sun salutations are designed to specifically work in the five directions of vata. So the five directions that energy is dispersing in, in that vata time of day. So we want energy to be able to flow in all of those five directions. So doing a simple sun salutation, meditation, something light to get the body coordinated is great first thing. And then later when you're coming into that kapha time, the body's strong. So you're less likely to have injury, the water element, the cohesion is strong in the body too. So that's when I would do my more stronger energy. The way that I translated it was, well, I've been going into the studio now because I'm doing sculptural work. So I'm actually doing things, I'm standing, I'm working upright. And while it's in addition to my exercises, it's not sitting at a computer and it's not sitting doing painting work that might be a little more gentle. So what would you suggest would be great for creatives in terms of some of the advice you would give or or is it just start to experiment and get to know your own physical rhythms with this new knowledge as potential input? Well, I'll just give you a few signs to notice. So always we bring awareness first. Maybe the whole of 2023, you're just going to notice Maybe there's some things that you're, you already notice, you've noticed for years and you've ignored. Or So things that show that you're in a good alignment with the Ayurvedic clock would be that you wake up naturally at dawn or just before. That's natural for you. You hear the birds, you know, they're all waking up like this is, you know, everything's starting. The world's waking up. You feel strength in your, your temple, your physical vessel. You really feel that strength in that morning and you're using it like you've you're feeling your your physicality you feel a natural hunger in the middle of the day which is well satisfied you sense a lightness and clarity in the afternoons you wind down naturally as the day draws to a close and you sleep well from before 10 p.m and throughout the night so that is mm. our beautiful theoretical mm. natural state. <laughs> so and where the wheels the reality, fall off. Yeah, the reality <laughs> is that we we wake up sluggish. We feel tired when we wake up. We need a coffee to get going. We need some kind of stimulant to just like actually get things moving in the beginning. We feel rushed and agitated with no time to tune into hunger signals throughout the day. We mistake thirst and rest for hunger and we eat often and low value foods things that like your body's going what actually is this you know <laughs> how do you want me to transform this into something nutritious? how about i just you know? store it in that left thigh there yeah, yeah until just, we figure it out yeah i'll take a while trying to figure this one out and we hit an energy slump in the afternoon this is common we respond to the needs of others before starting to pay attention to ourselves and starting to unwind. So I remember when my kids were little, my day started when they'd gone to bed. And for a while, it was like, right, this is when I need to do stuff. You know, I haven't been able to get things done while they've been awake. Now I'm going to do things. But actually, 
you soon learn, no, this is time for me now to unwind myself. And when we have kids, you can see like, okay, if you don't tune into that unwinding time and start slowing things down, you've got tantrums, you've got overtired kids. Like it's, it's so easy to see in children. Like when you're child rearing, you realize how disruptive our modern life is to the natural flow. And then often with menopause comes as well, that lightness, the lightness in sleep. So that is often a factor, a reality for lots of people's physical experience is that the sleep isn't good. And then that's often blamed for the feeling sluggish in the morning. So your question, um, Michelle, about like what, you know, what do we do as artists? Could you just repeat that? And I guess I'm thinking that I used to think sort of from eight till midday, one o'clock was my, I used to call it tiger time. I used to try and keep meetings out of that time because that's when I was had space for myself I could create I could get into the studio a chunk of time but I'm not so sure about that now so I'm in inquiry about that okay I think for a lot of people your studio time you might just be fitting it in around other commitments or maybe you've retired and now you've suddenly got the opportunity to go well you know what is really right for me like you know what is optimal for me now I've got more time to do it so you know understanding yourself like what works for me using your morning to actually do the more physically exertive elements of your practice is a great idea so if you're doing sculptural maybe if you're standing painting and then maybe the afternoon you're doing more meditative I like to sit on the ground in the afternoon and work on the floor in the studio but I think for a lot of us, it's often about where do we put our creative practice in our lives? And they're so tied up. Often we've got more time in later years to dedicate to our creative practice, but we might have health issues that have come about through being out of alignment for many, many years. So definitely, I think the first thing is to notice. And the three things that I would suggest that you notice is what time you're waking up, when are you having your main meal of the day? And when are you going to sleep? And find a way to capture those observations. And whether that's just, you know, a little list on your fridge that, you know, you just jot the time. Basically, Ayurveda is pattern recognition. The sages gave us this wisdom because through observation over long periods of time, you see the patterns. So is the pattern when I eat a heavy carb meal at eight o'clock at night, I can't wake up in the morning. When I eat a light meal at six o'clock at night and have just a cup of herbal tea before I go to bed, I'm able to wake up at dawn and I feel amazing. Like that is a pattern. Those are two, again, the extreme of the hot and the cold and the icy and the cold you can start to see yourself what your rhythm is and, and how one thing is impacting another. And just notice, you don't have to make any changes. Like that's just notice because when you notice, then you might make a change that's come from your observation and your impulse, your desire. I want to feel better. I want to feel less sluggish in the morning. So I'm going to have just the, the vegetable components of my family's meal and I'm not going to have the meat and the carbs to just make it lighter. And I'm going to have those same meat and carbs tomorrow for lunch or, you know, like it can be simple. It doesn't have to be complete overhaul of your life. But those three things, they're gold, really, just keeping those three things in mind. Mm. 
Jen, you're a big smoothie drinker and light vegetable consumer. What what are you thinking about some of this? Well, I'm I'm really excited to hear uh, what Yolanda, the wisdom that's flowing from her, because to me, the more simple I make it, the more it seems to work for me. You know, I've I've been doing some intermittent fasting, but I realize it's really more of a even a natural rhythm for me not to eat really that much in the morning, maybe a piece of fruit if, if at the most. And then I do have my full meal in the middle of the day. And I tend to just push my stomach out a little bit further than I really do have a good meal, you know, but I make sure that I have a lot of fiber in that meal too. And I think I've been a vegan for years and I'm starting to experiment with taking a little bit more protein in. And I'm curious about protein and the Ayurvedic wisdom. And maybe this is not the time to get into it, but um, I'm curious to know you know, how much protein do we really need? Yeah. And maybe that's that's the rhythm that you're talking about is we just tune into our, our natural rhythms. It's not yes. even the question. Yeah, and also because, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, this is the first layer of the clock. Then mm-hmm. there's another layer, which is the seasonal. That's like certain times of year, really winter. What are we doing? Like, what is our physical exertion? How different is it to summer? You know, a lot of people um, will get sick in the summer because they overdid it in winter. They didn't take that time to go inwards and rest. And, you know, so you can then start to look at, well, actually, what are my needs over the year? You know, when do I need that protein? When do I not need it so much? How much do I need? So you start to get these other layers that then in a way complicate it, but always comes back to it's still the same energy, but it's on that spectrum. Today is still hot. It's still summer, but it's less hot than yesterday. Today might be a good day to do certain activities. Layered on top of that is you personally, because I might have more fire in my physiology, which means I respond differently to summer than Michelle does or than Jennifer does. So it's all just the mystery is there for the exploring of like, you know, <laughs> who am I? And over, over the time, you know, the idea of coming into our wisdom years, our crone, our elder, these wise years is that we have learned over time. Our digestive system has got, in theory, more sophisticated. I don't need to have a heavy breakfast. This is the wisdom that are we honoring it or are we overriding it with other people's expectations, societal, cultural, you know, all other things that can come in and interfere. But really, we are getting wiser. Our digestive system is getting wiser. And we know we have, you know, we have more access to see this is what really works for me. And this doesn't. And maybe we don't have the same people pleasing extent in our older years that we are able to go, well, actually, I'm putting me first. This is works for me. Yeah, I love your explanation too when you and I were chatting, Yolanda, about digestion and the digestive fire and we're talking more than just food and I love the sort of layers of concepts that we're talking about experiences, thoughts, emotions, you know, all of that in our person, in that beautiful holistic approach that the system takes. So when we're digesting we're not just digesting our lunch or our dinner. We're also digesting that conversation that we had or we're digesting some things that have come up through our creative process. And 
making space for that. And I think that that kind of broader definition of digestion and understanding, for example, where I'm at in my life as a 57-year-old, what's sort of now, what won't I stomach, not just in food-wise, but in life. You know, it's a much bigger thing, and I think that that's really exciting. It's, it's quite powerful to be conscious of that. And It is. It, uh, digestion is, you know, what we're here. We're digesting our experiences. We're digesting our life. And I feel like my art is the product of my life digestion. It's, mm-hmm. So whatever it looks like or however I feel when I'm doing it, there's that element to it of, like, this is the evidence of my digestion you know so (laughs) you have to be careful with that one Yolanda (laughs) oh yeah sometimes it ain't pretty it's a great it's a great metaphor well sometimes you need to make art and just get the junk out don't you so that's that's a different way and maybe I don't know what's the equivalent Jen for your singing and your do you just get on the keyboards and go crazy absolutely absolutely you know play some some good old rock and roll you know that's a rock and roll kind of started with getting out the energy feel your heartbeat and Mm. and get very on the earth you know Mm. with that with that Mm. energy yeah I I love the wisdom that flows through you Yolanda it's just it makes so much sense and I would love to ask if there is is like some reading that we could do around this to kind of educate ourselves about it because we could talk for another three hours and yeah. a bit later in the year, we might get you back on to, you know, I'd love to get you back on and take another run at this sort of understanding ourselves. But yes, yeah, some where to cool. for resources would be wonderful. Okay. So there's so much out there. It's a vast body of wisdom. So really take what resonates. There's maybe start with your yoga teacher. If you, if you're already a yoga practitioner, they will probably know something. They might know you and know what you would respond to. You know, you can go from like heavy texts, you know, this is the main framework for medical care in India still today. Any type of medicine is covered by Ayurveda. And then there's so many people in the West who've translated it and applied it to Western lifestyles. So you've probably got an an Ayurvedic practitioner living near you, you know, or your yoga teacher might know one and developing a relationship with your practitioner so that they can see your blind spots. Having someone else also help on this journey is really great. I have an email list, which will maybe include my email just you can send questions so this wisdom has survived this long because it's alive and I love to have my pitta intellectual capabilities stimulated when somebody asks me a question so I I really love responding to questions in my newsletter and you've got some good articles too haven't you you sent me one about the clock specifically would it be okay to share that one yeah, certainly. Yeah. And that was when I was studying with the yoga healer community, which is run by Kate Stillman in the US. She's fantastic, modern, like boots and all girl, you know, really modern take on all of this wisdom. I also love Dr. Claudia Welch, also in the States. She has Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic understanding to her. And I love listening to her. She does a monthly free Q&A with Dr. Robert Svoboda, who is one of the most respected Ayurvedic teacher. You know, just take what resonates and make small changes. You don't have to dive in and start understanding all the Sanskrit words for everything. Like you can, there's something for (laughs) you wherever you are, there's something to meet you. 
And mm-hmm. I loved that you gave us permission to spend a year just noticing. Yes. Can I can I say thank you for that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> for those of us who can get easily overwhelmed with too much on our plates. Yes. I think, you know, and I, I feel that this is sort of starting the year with a view to our greatest, healthiest approach to the year so that we continue to create our our artwork and our soul's work. I think that's yeah. a really strong way to start the year. And I'm grateful for your input. Jen, anything else before we wrap up this gorgeous conversation? You know, I just want to say thank you, uh, Yolanda, for your wisdom. And thank you, Michelle, for having this wonderful idea to bring it on to the paintbrush and ivories. And I am just feeling so inspired to honor myself because, you know, we can't really do our work here to the full optimum capacity unless we are taking care of ourselves. And that has so many layers. And as women, it's taken me a long time to really get it, you know, that it's a it's the most precious gift I can give myself, you know, is just to take the time to notice. And I have I dived a little bit into Ayurvedic. I've never heard of the clock this way, and I just love it. I love it, and I can't wait to just notice more about my Pitavata self, you know, of how I do with the t- different times of day. So thank you so much. Mm. Okay. And I've decided, you know, if you've been listening and if you want to have a process for closing out 2022 and another process for dreaming into 2023, you can go back and check out episode 15, which was our harvesting the gems discussion that Jen and I did last year. And at the beginning of 2022, we did a dreaming into the new year, and that's episode 16. But I have already decided that my word for 2023 is embodied. And that's partly about this getting very intimate with my beautiful bio body suit that I've been walking around in that I possibly need to take to another level for my own health and also my own artistry. So that's my word for the year. Well, I have to share mine Do because my word for the year is available. (laughs) I am available to this present moment and all the goodness that it has for me. Mm -hmm. What about you, Yolanda? Any thoughts for your year? My word for the year is adventure. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got a, a trip to Spain in April, which I'm just so excited to get back out in the world and reconnect with that side of me, the side that does want to be awake at 10 o'clock at night. Because <laughs> yeah, Spanish living and Spanish clocks are nothing to do yeah. with what we just talked about. Yeah. No, also <laughs> dancing at 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Trying to convince <laughs> a Spanish person that it's a good idea to have a light meal at just like six o'clock. It's like, yeah, <laughs> does not compute. But, you know, listening to both of you and hearing that common goal of, wanting to look after yourselves we can often underestimate how much of a gift that also is to everyone else so we can direct our attention to doing what we think other people want us to do and and what they might need from us whereas actually if we took really good care of ourselves Mm. our capacity to even intuit what other people might need from us but our capacity to be able to produce the work or you know do our work in the world and that doesn't need to be a big thing just to have the capacity to smile at the person you see on your walk they might need it to see a happy face like it doesn't have to be a big thing but look after you first Mm. look after Mm. you 
And on that note, I'm going to say thank you, Yolanda. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jan. Lovely to see you back on our podcast. Thank you, everyone who's tuned in and is listening. And as always, please, if you've got any questions, you know there'll be lots of resources in the show notes and you can get those online. But if you would like to send us any questions or if you'd like to send us some comments, we love to hear from you. So thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye.